So today we are continuing our sermon series, Church on the Go. And as we jump into today's message, uh, I absolutely love, love, love the story that we're going to be going over today because it's one of those stories that in the church create a lot of controversy. Hey, show of hands, how many of you love controversy in the church? <laughs> okay, there's a few weird, weirdo people like me that kind of like this stuff, you know. Um, there's just something about... There's something about the church which is really weird that in our disagreements about things, we get so stuck and we get so angry over the little minute things that divide us as the body of Christ instead of leaning in and focusing on the big important truth teachings of the Bible that actually unite us. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So if you have a Bible with you, you can open up to Acts chapter 10. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture today. So I'd encourage you to have a Bible with you. We're going to be going through a lot of scripture today. We're also going to be taking communion together today. So hopefully you grabbed one of those little communion cups uh, when you came in this morning. And so we'll be doing that later on in the message today. So in order to help just kind of set the theme a little bit, um, I already asked you one question. How many of you like controversy? Again, raise your hand, those of you who like controversy. I think I saw one. Okay, one hand over there. There you go. And online, put in the chat that you like controversy in the church. <laughs> but here's, a more, here's an easier question. I think more of you will, might relate to this one. How many of you, just show of hands, and this is where I'm really going to find my people. These are my people who are going to raise their hand. How many of you are a fussy eater? Oh, yeah, there's a couple of hands over there. Yeah, and the kids are going, yeah, dad, you. Okay, yeah, my father is a messy eater. And all the wives are knocking their husband going, yeah, every time I cook for you, you're a fussy eater. Okay, you can talk to Danielle after the service for all the money that we've put into marriage counseling because of my fussy eating. Okay, like one of the things that I absolutely love about our church, I mean, I love Libby cookies. So thank you, Libby, for all the years that you've been making cookies. But when she would kind of put raisins in there and I would think it was chocolate, I would just derail my Sunday. It would just like totally derail my Sunday because I was like, I thought it was chocolate and it's raisins. And I'm like weird. I'm a texture guy. Food, if it's squishy, if it's like, can I say it on a Sunday morning? If it looks like and tastes like and feels like boogers, not interested. I can't eat it. I can't even put it in my mouth. There's like this texture thing that happens, you know, and, and, and I drive my wife crazy because I like mushrooms if they're fresh and in salad. But if you cook them, I pick them out. I don't like them cooked. I like onions, fresh and salad, not cooked. I like this. I like meat, burnt, burn it. I go to restaurants. We used to go to a men's group on Tuesday mornings and have breakfast together and I'd be eggs, burn them, burn them. Eggs need to be burnt burnt to a crisp and the restaurant would send them to me and they're not burnt. I send them back. They come back. No, no, you don't seem to understand. Burn it black. It needs to be charcoal. Okay. Before I eat eggs, I'm a very fussy eater. And all of you are looking at me like I'm a total weirdo, but no, so are you. You're fussy in another area, part of your life too. All of us as human beings find some part in our lives where we're fussy, where we're picky, and we want things a certain way. And the Bible has a lot to talk about food. 
The Bible says a lot about food. So we're going to be looking at this story here from Acts chapter 10. And it's a story that appears to be about food. So let me just start reading this story here from Acts chapter 10. I'm going to start reading here in verse 1. So it says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him and had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, continuing here into verse 9, it says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And so while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And Peter went down and he said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter uh, invited the men into the house to be his guests. Now, again, this is a a familiar story to those of us who've been in church for a long time. But in reality, no matter how many times you hear this story, this is one of the weird ones. Okay, this is one of these weird things. Whenever we get visions from God... Those tend to be the passages which create controversy in the church. Whether it's Old Testament visions like in Daniel, 
whether it's in New Testament visions like the book of Revelation. There's just something about the visions of God given to individual men and women that cause tension because we want to interpret it. We're trying to figure out the meaning behind the vision. So in this sermon series, Church on the Go, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we're looking at how the early church is living out their faith. Because the culture that the early church lived in really isn't all that different from the culture that you and I live in today. Sure, we have more technology and we have more scientific achievements today than they did 2,000 years ago. But human nature is still human nature. You know, we're still pluralistic in our thinking when it comes to spiritual things. We're still very intolerant as human beings in many different ways. We're still selfish and prideful and greedy in all of these things as human beings. You know, I love talking to my atheist friends who say, man, man, humanity has so involved. We have so evolved. And I'm like, really? How? Show me how we've evolved. We kill just as many people as we killed 2,000 years ago. We're just as greedy. We're just as private. Like all the sin of humanity has not changed. And so when we contrast today's culture to the culture back then, there's so much that we can learn about what it looks like to be followers of Jesus in this culture that we live in today. And so one of the things that I want to explore as we unpack this story together today is that idea of in our human nature, in our flesh, because of sin in our lives, there's something in me that makes me fussy. There's something in you that makes you fussy. And that thing that makes us fussy makes us sometimes, when we study a text like this or many other texts, like Daniel, like Revelation, whatever it might be, these visions of God, we can tend to just try to make these things comfortable for us. Or what we tend to do is go down some really strange rabbit holes, rabbit trails. We just go off on these very bizarre tangents as we try to study these texts. And so I want to give you the big idea that we're going to unpack for the rest of our time together today, right now. As you study Acts chapter 10, I want you to always remember this. Whenever you read this, it is not about food. It's about people. It's not about food. It's about people. Let's just continue reading this story a little bit. Let's see where Peter goes. He gets this vision. We have Cornelius who gets a vision from God. We get Peter who gets this strange vision from God of a big giant sheet filled with all these animals saying to kill the animals and just eat it all. Peter doesn't want to eat these things because he's a devout Jewish man who has never eaten this kind of food before in his life. His entire religious system doesn't allow him to eat this stuff. And then he follows these servants to Cornelius' house. So let's continue reading here in verse 23. So it says, The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. 
But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. If you have a pen and a paper Bible, underline that. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And so I and so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. So he continues. So he kind of tells Peter everything that this angel had told him to do. Right. And then let's just jump down here to verse 34, where it talks about Peter's response. It says, then Peter began to speak. He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what had happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and of the dead. And all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sin through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. You see, it's not a passage about food. It's a passage about people. This isn't something to get lost in the details about food. This is a reminder of God's heart for people. As I was studying this text this week, I was having a little, a little bit of fun. I logged on to Amazon, and I did a search on how many books exist on the teaching of the Christian view of food. <laughs> you know how many books there are available? 
on the teaching of Christian food? Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands of different titles of books about how Christians should treat food. And most of them use this vision and other visions and other passages of the New Testament talking about if you truly love the Lord, if you want to be healthy before God and healthy in your body, this is how you should eat. There's books on Christian weight loss, the maker's diet. One of my favorites is what would Jesus eat? I actually ordered that one. There's 20 bucks. I'll never see again. But anyways, there's so many books. Now, don't hear what I'm, I'm not saying. I actually believe in a, the huge importance of eating healthy. I mean, I've personally been on a journey over the past 19 months of eating better and watching what I eat. I've dropped 40 pounds since the beginning of the pandemic. I'm very, very big on the importance of eating well. The challenge is as followers of Jesus is when we go down rabbit trails and we make passages like this all about me and my diet and my upkeep and my health. When Peter tells us the exact reason why we have this text, it's so that God will open our eyes and that you and I as followers of Jesus will never Look at another human being as someone who is unpure or unclean. You see, there's no human being on the planet that God does not love. There is no human being on the planet that Jesus did not die for. And the mission of the church is to bring that good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that forgiveness of sin is available to everybody. You see, even in the Old Testament, when we study Old Testament law, and we look at why God is giving all these strange commandments about food, God even tells them why he's doing this in uh, like Leviticus, for example. I'm going to read a few verses from Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22, and I'm going to skip down to 24 to 26. Right? God says to the people through Moses, he says, You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them. That's where it starts. Leviticus 20, 22. All these rules, all these commandments, all these weird things about infectious skin diseases and about food and don't cook goats and mother's milk and don't eat this food and eat that food. All of these things. God says, you better keep these rules. You better obey them. And so Peter did. As a devout follower of God, as a Jewish man. But then God says why he did this. In verse 24, he says, I am the Lord, your God, who has separated you from the people. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything which uh, with which the ground crawls. For I have set you apart for you to be clean. You shall be holy to me. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. 
You see, God's concern for the people of Israel is that they would look different. That God is sending them into a culture that lives a certain way, that acts a certain way, that behaves a certain way. And the heart of God is to show the world there's a difference with being a part of God's family. That you're set apart. That you're made holy. And what he's doing, it's a precursor. It's, it's a glimpse of what is to come. Because we know as we study the Old Testament that even the Hebrew people here couldn't keep these commandments. They would break them regularly. They're unable to even follow these rules that God is asking them to follow because of that fussiness in them. Because of that sin that's still there. And God is showing that one day this Messiah will come who will truly make you clean in a way that the law could not accomplish. Because it's not about food. It's about people. It's about the relationship that people have with God. Right? And in Acts chapter 10, God is reminding Peter. And remember, Peter is the man that Jesus called the rock. Not the rock, Dwayne the Johnson, the rock. Not that rock, but the rock that the message of the gospel is built on. That Peter, when the Holy Spirit came on him, thousands of people responded to his message to turn from their sin and to turn to God. God's telling him to open his life to the people around him. And so a couple of questions as we study this text. These are questions that I've been asking myself this past week, personally, in my own life. And so I want to share these questions with you as well so that you can wrestle with these as well. Talk about them in your life group this week. Talk about them as a family this week. So how we can truly be focused on the things that God wants us to focus on as a church on the go. The first question I asked myself is this. I asked myself, literally, I said, Kevin, how often do I reject God's calling? How often do I, Pastor Kevin, reject God's calling? So here in verse 16, we see something very interesting, a very tiny little verse that's easy to skip over in verse 16. This is the vision that Peter receives, this cloth coming down, all the animals on it, the voice of God telling him to kill and to eat. Don't call things impure that God has made clean. And then it says in verse 16, this happened three times. Tiny, tiny little verse. Three times. Do not call anything impure that God has made pure. You see, because God wants the message of the good news of Jesus to reach uh, just a small group of people. See, God is concerned that only church people come to church. God only wants people who look like us, who think like us, who behave like us, who make the same amount of money, who eat the same kind of food. God is very, very concerned with making sure the church stays very small and doesn't reach anybody. Okay, hopefully you got the sarcasm there and didn't go, wow, okay, I didn't realize that was our mission. Awesome, I love that idea. Okay, that's easy work. 
No, God's concern is for the entire world, right? The entire world. Like he's reminding Peter, the rock, that the message of Jesus is not just for Jewish people, that it's for everybody. And Peter needs this reminder three times. Peter, it's not about you. Peter, it's not just about the Jewish people. Jesus died for the world. I need you to tell the world. People that you will not even go into their homes, go into their homes. People that the law said you're not supposed to associate with them. I gave you the law. Associate with them. God is doing something. And and it's fascinating that it's three times to Peter. Because when you study the life of Peter, how many things came in three for Peter? How many times did he reject Jesus and say he didn't know Jesus? Three times. How many times did Jesus, after the resurrection, tell Peter to feed my sheep? Three times. So Peter, you know, when we compare ourselves to Peter, I do, I compare myself a little bit to that stubbornness of Peter. How often, Pastor Kevin, do I reject God's calling? of not going where God has told me to go and not talking to who God has called me to talk to and not making myself available to the person that God has asked me to make myself available to me to see because I'm fussy. I've had this experience many, many times and I've shared this story before when it comes to missions trips. I love missions. I think missions is a huge and important part of the church. I love our missions team. I love our short-term missionaries, our long-term missionaries. I love them. And for years I've said, I'll cut a check and I'll pray for you, but I ain't going. You know why? You know what my number one reason is for not ever wanting to go on missions trips? The food! (laughs) I don't want to go to some country where they're going to serve me squishy food. And they're not going to burn the eggs. I went on a business trip before I became a pastor. I went on a business trip for two weeks to Tokyo. And the guys there thought it would be really hilarious to bring me to this restaurant. And they all ordered fish and chips, like like American-style, British-style fish and chips, right? Breaded, beer-battered fish and all that stuff. Then my food showed up, right? And they opened up the tray, and there were dead fish on my tray. And the mouths were still doing this. And they're laughing their heads off. And I ate it. And I was sick all night. And I found a McDonald's real fast that evening. And it was all written in Japanese. And I said, I don't care how many yens I've got to throw down on here for a Big Mac and a whole bunch of fries. See, I'm fussy. (laughs) See, you and I, if we're not careful, we will ignore what God is asking us to do because we're fussy. It's not about food. It's about people. So ask yourself that. Where in your life do you reject God's calling because we can be a little fussy? And the second question I asked myself this week is who, Pastor Kevin, do I consider to be impure and unclean? That's a tough one to ask. That's a tough one to be really honest with yourself and really honest before God. See, we can study in a lot of church history and sadly 
in a lot of our history as the Christian church in the world, it's really easy to find people who've been wounded by the church, who's been rejected by Christians based on the color of their skin, based on the traditional backgrounds that they came from, based on their economic standing, all of these things. And that's why I say unapologetically, there's a repentance that's needed within the church. Even with what we're dealing with here in Canada when it comes to the the indigenous schools and all the news that's coming out of there. Okay, as evangelicals, it's easy to go, well, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. It's part of the history. And we need to seek God to make sure none of that has creeped in in some kind of way that in some way we're thinking of some people as impure or unclean. That's them. I don't want to be seen with them. I don't want to reach the them. Right? Peter says this reminder, it's this powerful verse. That's why I said, underline this verse. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. One of the things that I've learned over the last few years as I've embraced this idea of going on missions and serving in cross-cultural ministry and making space available to be, uh, to be used by God to reach people who I wouldn't normally be, uh, be reaching with, um, it's very easy and it's very comfortable to serve people and reach people who are exactly like me. That's easy. But stepping cross-culturally sometimes can be a challenge, again, as a guy who's fussy about food. When my wife and I, when we went to Beirut and were brought into people's homes, like some of the poorest of the poor in Beirut, when my daughter and I went to Peru and we went into these homes and some of the poorest environments I have ever stepped in, and these people hand you their food, and this is like a huge deal for them, And fussy Kevin is like picking at it and pulling all the seeds out of the grapes. And this grape is a little too squishy. I don't know if I want to eat this one. (laughs) Right? And they're looking at you. And all they want is a touch of God (laughs) in their life. Don't think of anyone as impure, unclean. That's them. This is me. All of that. Right? As the church, we cannot be fussy about who God wants us to reach. As the church, we cannot be fussy on who God calls us to bless and who God calls us to bring the good news to. See, it's amazing when we look at Peter's life, who started as this man denying Jesus multiple times, you know, that Jesus has to keep reminding him to feed the sheep, that God has to keep reminding him, you know, come on, it's not about food, it's about the people. When we get further along into Acts chapter 15, and then we see Peter, who has now experienced going where his tradition would never let him go before, going into the home of Roman centurions. Now, again, remember, Peter grew up in an environment where that man was his enemy. That was a man who killed his people. And Peter goes into his home and tells him and his servants and his family that God loves you. 
telling that to his enemy. God loves you. And he has sent me here to tell you that you could be set free from your sin. Not by keeping all these food laws, not by keeping all these traditions, not by keeping all of these commandments, but by simply believing that Jesus is the Christ. The one that the prophets talked about, the one that the Jews have been waiting for, he has come. And you can be washed clean, you can be made completely clean from your sin just by believing that Jesus died and rose from the dead. And then Peter, that's what he does to his enemy. And we see the Holy Spirit shows up on his enemy. And everyone becomes believers. And Peter baptizes them. And then Peter talks about this later on in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 7. When there's this whole debate and there's this whole argument in the church. Who is the church for? Is it just for Christians? Is it just for Jewish people? Or is it really for everybody? And Peter says, brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you. That by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are we putting, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. You see, that's the message of the good news. That's the message of the church. I have friends and family who won't set foot in this building or watch online because they think we hate them. My family, my friends think we hate them. God, forgive us for treating people as impure and unclean. Father, forgive me for ever treating someone as impure and unclean. Everyone is welcome to the table of God, whether we like them or not. (laughs) That's the good news of Jesus. That the body and blood of Jesus was spilt to save us from our sin. The death of Jesus is the great equalizer that none of us could have earned God's favor. That's why when I give every week, I give an opportunity for you to come to know Jesus. And I say it's so simple. It really is as simple as just believing. As turning from sin and turning your heart to God and just praying real simply, Father, forgive me a sinner. I give you my life. Make me new. If you pray that in church online, a pop-up shows up. Click that. Let us know you pray that way. If you prayed that way in the room today, just let me know after the service. I'd love to pray with you and rejoice. And it's in that posture of humility, of turning from our sin, that we come to God in communion. That we remember the body of Christ. The reason why we take bread or we take a wafer or we take a gluten-free cracker, whatever it is, there's no power in the wafer. There's no power in the bread. There's no power in the gluten-free cracker. The power is in the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus broken for us. So as we take this bread together today, just ask yourself, just say a little prayer as you take this bread. God, Have I ever rejected your calling? 
Do I need to be reminded three times of people you want me to bless? And God, have I ever considered someone else to be unclean and impure? As we take this body together, let's just ask God to search our hearts as we remember the body of Christ broken for us. Let's do this in remembrance of him. And we also take this cup of juice, which reminds us, helps us to remember the blood of Jesus that is spilt for us. That it's not by keeping food laws that you are made clean. You might drop 40 pounds if you eat a little bit healthier. Nothing wrong with that. It's good things. You might sleep better at night because you've dropped some weight. Those are all good things. But it's only the blood of Jesus that makes you clean. Only the blood of Jesus that makes me clean. It's only the blood of Jesus that can wash away the sins of the world. And so we remember his blood spilt for us. And we praise him and we worship him for that. So let's do this in remembrance of him. So let's pray together. Father God, we praise you and we thank you for your word. And we are reminded this morning that it's not about food, but it's about people. God, you are so concerned for the people in our lives who don't know you. Help us, each of us, to be as equally concerned for them as you are. Help us to make sacrifices in our lives where we might have been a little fussy, where if we don't want to serve, we don't want to bless, we don't want to give, we don't want to do these things because we're a little fussy. God, free your church from that. Free me from that. God, help us to hear your voice. So as a church family, we would never reject your call, that we would never reject where you call us to go to bring the good news. Father, work in all of our hearts that we would never consider someone to be impure or unclean. Even people in our lives or in our culture that we would recognize to be enemies of the gospel, enemies of the church, even in our own country. Like God, we would never treat them as such because you, God, want to reach them with your love through us. So Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship, speak to each and every one of us because your children are listening. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.